we start with a hook. That hook is designed to grab your attention. So in this case, in the very first shot, you see rainbow ice cream poop coming out of a unicorn's butt. And it just stops you in your tracks and you're like, what the freak am I seeing? Then we go immediately into the problem of how we've all been pooping wrong and all of the problems that that causes. And so of course there are you know, millions of people out there who acutely already feel those problems. But then he's also triggering everyone else to question. He's saying, you're doing it wrong. And so even if you're not acutely feeling those problems, all of a sudden you're asking yourself, whoa, do I have this problem? We stand today. The Business Method with the Shadow. The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs' systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring high-performing entrepreneurs and high-caliber people dissecting their different methods, tools, and strategies so we can apply them to our businesses and lives. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that have built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that have built seven-figure businesses that can be ran anywhere in the world. And currently, we are interviewing 100 major influencers to get behind the minds and the science of using influence to grow business, affect income, results, economies, and cultures, especially post-COVID. Since we moved into a post-pandemic world, the landscape has changed drastically for most business owners. We're finding out what is working for the entrepreneurs out there that have positioned themselves well to make sure their businesses thrive, succeed, and continue to experience growth in this current economy. And now... Let's hop into today's show. The Business Method. Hey, my podcast listeners, I want to say hello and welcome to another awesome episode. Today's guest, you guys, I'm really excited for these people. I'm excited about every episode. I know you guys are tired of me saying I'm excited about all these guests, but they excite me. That's why I'm a podcaster and that's why I interview them. Today's guest is Benton Crane, the CEO of Harmon Brothers. And if you don't know who Harmon Brothers are and you're an entrepreneur or want to be an entrepreneur, I highly recommend you check them out. If you're a creative and, uh, or an artist or you just like to create things, I also recommend checking out Harmon Brothers. Harmon Brothers are the company that put together the famous viral video ads for poopery, for click funnels, for Winwood Grills for Purple Mattresses, for Chat Books, many more, and also the legendary Squatty Potty. So if you guys remember the Squatty Potty commercial where the unicorn was pooping rainbow ice cream and there was a prince there talking about why you should use a Squatty Potty, most people, if they see that once, they never forget it. And it's because of the genius Harmon Brothers company uh, putting those 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 ads together and creating a shift, I think, really in how a lot of advert video advertising has been done. Their videos have cumulatively been viewed over 1.5 billion times, and uh, they've accumulated around somewhere $350 million in sales uh, as a direct result from their video ads. And you guys, they're really an awesome company. The interview is great. It's with the CEO, Benton Crane, and he dissects actually with us their creation process for the videos. 
to the point where they actually go to a cabin in the woods for a few days um, to create a video for their clients, to create an ad for their clients and work through that creative process while putting all their phones and devices in a bowl that's away from them. So they're not distracted by their devices while creating these awesome advertisements. So uh, it's, it's a great episode. We walk through with Benton the process of how they created the Squatty Potty video and every necess- uh, necessary marker that is needed in order to create that successful video. So really great episode, you guys. Benton Crane, CEO of Harmon Brothers. And without further ado, you guys, let's jump into the episode. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast or welcome back to the podcast. We're really glad to have you and I'm excited for today's guest for many reasons. Um, I've been a fan of uh, this company for quite a few years. Our guest today is Benton Crane and he's the CEO of Harmon Brothers. And if you hadn't heard of Harmon Brothers, there's a good chance you've probably seen a commercial or advertisement that was created by them. And if you've seen a commercial from Poopery, Click Funnels, Windwood Grills, Purple Mattress, chat books and my favorite the legendary squatty potty video ads that made them legend and who was also interviewed the founder was interviewed on our podcast about three years ago those are the typical viral videos that Harmon brothers do and what they create now they have over 350 million dollars in sales as a direct result from their video ads and nearly 1.5 billion with a b cumulative client videos now a top rated podcast called from poop to gold and a book by the same name uh ladies and gentlemen let's welcome benton crane benton how are you doing today hey chris thanks for having me on it's a pleasure to be here thank you for hopping on the mic with us we really appreciate it and um did i get all those stats correct in the intro i just want to make sure well, one, over 1.5 video views, not videos, but yeah, otherwise, yes, uh, video views. spot on. <laughs> 1.5 billion videos is quite a few, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we'd be busy. Yeah, really busy. So um, I don't think many other, there's probably a very few companies or even artists out there that have over a billion, billion views of their videos. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It's a... Um... Do you know anybody else except you guys that that have hit the billion mark? Well, I I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's some YouTube creators out there who, you know, channel wide, you know, they've been able to get up into those type of numbers. But, um, you know, for a brand or or for an agency to get up into those type of numbers, it's 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 pretty hard to do. Um, It's pretty rarefied air. If my memory serves me correctly, didn't wasn't Poopery in a Super Bowl commercial? A few years back? No, no, they, they weren't in a Super Bowl commercial, but that's a, that, that's a milestone that we would love, uh, <laughs> we'd love to get to enjoy. I think all advertisers really appreciate, um, you know, all the ads on the Super Bowl and would love to get the opportunity to do one. So yeah, hopefully that's not in our, in, in our not too distant future. Cool. Okay. So you're the, you're the current CEO of the company. How long have you been with Harmon Brothers? Uh, since the beginning. So we're, I think this August will hit seven years. Okay. So you're still fairly new company. Yeah. Really. Yeah. We're, we're a really young company. We're, we're a pretty small agency, pretty boutique. And, um, you know, we, we've kind of enjoyed being small and boutique because it allows us to, you know, to be really picky about who we get to work with. 
and to make sure that we're really passionate about the projects that, that we get to work on. And that's a fun place to be in because, you know, we can, we can align our, our passions and our creativity with the, with the clients we work with. And we never have to, you know, take on a client or a campaign just because we need a check. Um, yeah. But yeah. once you get there, that kind of starts to become soul sucking. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you can take the business to another level when you're not worried so much about, you know, paying the rents and paying the water bill and, and you can focus on creativity and, mm -hmm. and creating really win-win situations, picking up clients that are, that are best serve you and you serve them the best, you know, um, I'm curious. Uh, so how did, how did the company start out? So I was in Washington DC working as um, an analyst in the intelligence community. So I would kind of bounce around the DC area going from, you know, three letter agency to three letter agency doing work for them. And meanwhile, my current partners, um, the three brothers, Jeff, Neil and Daniel, they were at Aura Brush. And at Aura Brush, they were essentially pioneering YouTube marketing. They, they took a, um, a tongue brush that cleans your tongue and gets rid of bad breath and they launched it on YouTube and grew it to millions of dollars of sales and ended up getting, you know, nationwide distribution in Walmart, and Walgreens, and CVS, and, and all these other places. And eventually, um, Orbrush got acquired by Dentech. And so they were kind of busy pioneering that world. And when they left, they left to do the Poopery campaign, which was the, the first campaign that we did together. And they needed somebody who was kind of a data geek who you know loves spreadsheets and that type of thing and and so i joined uh i joined the three of them and so the the four of us um you know formed the the initial partnership that um you know that became known as Harmon brothers to do the poopery campaign and at the time we didn't know that we were going to become an agency we we thought we just had you know, uh, we had a six month contract with Poopery and we thought, hey, this is going to be really fun. You know, let, let's do some amazing work and then we'll see what happens next. And um, and so we had great fun on that campaign. And then we we co-founded a company called VidAngel, which is a, a video streaming um, platform that caters to families. Um, and and we were about a year into that when. Uh, when kind of money was starting to get tight, we were running out of runway a little bit. And so Daniel and I decided to go take on some side work, you know, to keep, keep food on the table, keep the lights on. And, and so Daniel and I went out and kind of started hustling for side work. And one of those side projects ended up being Squatty Potty. And, um, and so then, you know, a couple years prior, we had had that big hit with, with Poopery. And so then when we had Squatty Potty under our belt, we we kind of looked at each other and realized that, you know, hey, we're we're onto something special here, so let's keep this going. And so Daniel and I stayed full time focused on building the agency, which is you know now known as Harmon Brothers. I guess it always has been. And uh, Neil and Jeff stayed full time focused on building VidAngel. And so that's that's how it's remained to this day, and that's how um, now you know Daniel and I are are still. Um, you know, still pushing this forward and trying to make magic for lots of other clients. So you probably had a decent career in, in DC working for those three letter agencies. Like what made you, what, what pulled you back from DC back to Utah to, to work with the brothers? Man, that, 
That's a good question because that was a really scary jump. So, you know, we speak when I say we, I'm talking about my family and I, you know, my wife and I, we had two kids, number three on the way. We had a nice little house in the suburbs of Northern Virginia. Uh, you know, we had our own yard for the kids to play in and everything. And so we were really building a nice career and a nice life out there. But to be frank with you, there was just an itch and a desire inside of me to, to not only see what I'm capable of, um, but, to, but to try to do something that um, can have a big impact on the world and to try to build something, um, you know, of my own. And, and I think of my own, that's kind of a lousy term to use because we're, we never, anything big that you accomplish, it's never on your own, right? And so, um, so I would never say that, you know, Harmon Brothers has been on my own, right? But I, I've, I've been able to play a very integral role in that process. And so uh, ultimately, when I saw the brothers make the leap from Aura Brush over to Poopery, I saw a window of opportunity. I had been observing what they were doing at Aura Brush, and I knew that this world of internet marketing was going to be big, and it was going to be special, and it was going to change an industry. And I knew that they were a step ahead of everyone else. And, and so the opportunity to, to partner up with them and, and see what we could build from there, it was, uh, you know, it was just too enticing not to take. And, and fortunately, my wife was, was supportive. And so we packed up and moved across the country. And, you know, it wasn't all smooth sailing. You know, we went from a nice career to there were times when, um, you know, especially when Daniel and I went out on that side hustle that I talked about, um, you know, there were nights where I was out driving Uber, um, you know, just, <laughs> just to, you know, keep a, a tiny flow of income coming in um, while we were able to kind of go out and rustle up um, some, some work. And, and that was a little bit humiliating to go from, you know, a nice, uh, <laughs> you know, a nice career in Washington, D.C., you know, the firm that I, that I worked at was Deloitte, which is a really, uh, you know, it's a prestigious top four consulting firm. And, and to, you know, have a career there, that, that's a lot of people's dream. And, and I went from that, you know, sitting in meetings with, with powerful people and, and working yeah. on big projects and stuff to driving Uber. That was, uh, <laughs> that was a gut check. But I knew what, what we were building here and the potential that we had was, was worth the risk. So, so Poopery came before Squatty Potty, is that right? That's correct. Poopery was 2013 and Squatty Potty, I believe, was 2015. Okay, I thought it was the other way around for some reason. No, in, in fact, Bobby Edwards, um, you know, founder of, of Squatty Potty, when he, saw, he, when, when he saw what we did for Poopery, his reaction initially was to be pissed that they found us before he did because uh, his thought was that should have been us. Yeah. And, and so he came to us and, and initially we didn't want to work with, with Squatty Potty because we thought um, it, what they were dealing with was so much grosser than what Poopery was dealing <laughs> with, right? Poopery, it's just the stink. Right. But with Squatty Potty, it's like, you know, it's the biomechanics of how, you know, of how pooping works. And that is just like a hundred times more disgusting. <laughs> um, what convinced you guys? But, well, it was actually a, um, Jeff, um, you know, what, one of the partners, he was walking to work one day and he was asking himself, what is the furthest thing on earth from poop? 
and ice cream came into his mind because he's thinking like poop is gross it's disgusting right but ice cream is delicious it's desirable you want to you know you want to be close to ice cream and so the theory was that if we can take you into a safe place to have this really awkward hard conversation because you're in a safe place it can work and and so once he came up with ice cream then the question became, well, where does the ice cream come out of? And of course, you can't use a real creature because that's too close to reality. It takes you back into the gross zone. And, and that's where the unicorn came from was, what is a mythical creature that keeps you in this fantasy world and, and keeps you in a safe zone so that everything your eyes see on screen uh-huh. is beautiful, it's desirable, you want it, um, but everything your ears is hearing or everything your ears are hearing can be pretty gross and it can be a challenge to tackle, but because of that safe zone, it worked. Can you take us through your creative process? So, you know, it sounds like, was it Jeff that started coming up with those ideas? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, is, is, is Jeff the creative mind behind the business or do you guys like come in and do some masterminding and bounce ideas back and forth? How's that work? Jeff is one of many okay. creative minds, um, behind the scenes. So, if I had to describe our process, so when we, when we decide to tackle a project, we'll assign, you know, three or four writers to it. And these writers are, um, are almost always um, have a comedy background okay. um, because we found that it's way easier to teach a comedian how to be a marketer than it is to teach a marketer <laughs> how to be a comedian, right? Good. Um, co- comedy is, is a skill that takes many, many years to develop. And, and so we like, to, we like to work a lot with people who have put in the time and the effort to learn that skill so they can bring that to the table and then we can, we can help them with the marketing structure. But what we do is we ask, you know, those three or four comedians slash writers to work initially in a vacuum. So there's no group think between them. We say, okay, each of you come up with your own concept, write your own script, flesh this thing out, develop it as much as you can. And then we all meet together in a writing retreat where we usually rent a cabin up at Sundance. Um, You know, everyone's heard of the Sundance Film Festival. So it's kind of like, it's a creative mecca up there. And and so we'll go rent a cabin and we'll bring the client out for this as well. And so we'll get together in this cabin and I'll usually have the client sitting next to me and I'm hearing these scripts and ideas for the very first time at the exact same time that my client is hearing them. And, and that's intentional because we, we want the client to be experiencing it in this raw way, in the, in the exact same way that we are. And, and that can help us align ourselves and so we can see, okay, what is working with these various scripts? What is not working? And then we'll all debate and, and we'll brainstorm and ultimately we'll decide, okay, of these four scripts, we want to choose you know, this one as the backbone. And that's what we're going to build on. And then from that point forward, the four writers no longer work independently. They come together and collaboratively build out the script on top of that backbone that, that we decided. And so that writing retreat ends up being a process of write, rewrite, write, rewrite over and over again, very intensively for you know, the two days that, that we're locked in the cabin. And to keep everyone focused, um, we always have everyone throw their cell phone in a bowl. Nice. And, and the rule is 
if you have to go get your phone out to take a call or send a text or whatever, you can, but you have to throw a 20 in the bowl. Nice. Very good. And then at the end of the retreat, we raffle off whatever cash is, is, is in the bowl. Uh, it, it's actually surprising. You don't end up with that much. It's, you know, usually 40 or 60 bucks or something in there. That's great. Uh, but when you put that, you know, when people have to part with money <laughs> to use their phone, <laughs> you'd be surprised at how disciplined people get in staying away. We, we actually put on a retreat called a digital detox camp and we had uh, phone and computer jail where everybody put their, their devices in, in a box. It was just a box. Uh-huh. And then we hit it, you know, we call that jail. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. So, you know, I've actually heard of this concept of, I think it was Rockefeller or somebody who actually locked people in a room until they came up with like a solution or an idea to some, or maybe it was Henry Ford, but are you, Oh really? I'm not familiar with yeah, that. Yeah. So it was either Rockefeller or Ford and, and he would lock the execs in a room and I'm thinking it's Ford actually, because uh, then he would say, you know, you haven't, you haven't created a V8 that will fit in the, the, uh, the car yet. Uh, with the right horsepower, I'm going to lock you in, and and if you guys don't figure it out, you're fired or some something like that. <laughs> and well, that's you know those old guys, they probably did it, you know. And, and uh, uh-huh. yep. So are you, you you're you're not locking everybody in the cabin actually for the two days, are you? Or is it something? No, I, I mean there, it's not jail, right? Yeah. You know, there's no padlocks <laughs> on the door. But quite frankly, we're up there in the woods. Like where where, where are they going to go? go? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, we we've heard a lot of our creatives say that we get more done in those two days than you can get done in a month at the office there there's something about getting a group of people together for a period of time when everyone is hyper focused on a specific task and it seems like in those in those situations people can move mountains you know figuratively to to overcome all sorts of challenges and just come up with brilliant brilliant content and solutions and and so it's you know putting on a retreat um you know it's a bit of an investment right you know we're we're renting these cabins up at sundance and you have to stock the cabin with food and everything and and you know get everyone to travel out to be there and so it's a bit of an investment and if you're not familiar with the process sometimes it can seem like geez that seems a little excessive yeah but once you understand how key it is to the process and how much you're able to get done because of that process, um, then all of a sudden it starts to make, you know, make sense even from a financial perspective. Yeah. I've heard of some remote companies doing that for like a month at a time at some island, you know, and they'll fly people out there, pay for their accommodation and, uh, and then their office space and then just stay out there the whole time. And, and get a bunch of work done and, and knock some things out. So, yeah, I could see that. One thing that I found really interesting is is I think were you on the the Harmon Brothers method video? Was that you or was that somebody else? Uh, potentially, we have lots of videos out there. Um, there was if, once, that, if not me, it was probably Daniel. Yeah, there was there was one. There's two guys, one of the brothers and somebody else that, that it looked a bit like you. But they they talked about the Harmon Harmon Brothers methods where you you have this marriage of branding and the sales of direct response. Can you can you elaborate yeah. on that a little bit more for for the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So historically, in the world of advertising, you've had kind of these two camps. You have infomercial world, you know, otherwise known as like direct response world. Think Snuggie, Slap Chop, 
Chamwell, you know, just all those infomercials, right? Yeah. And then that's like one end of the spectrum. And then the other end of the spectrum is traditional branding, which is what you see on the Super Bowl, right? It's Nike, it's Coca-Cola, Apple, so on and so forth. And those two worlds historically have hated each other. And they, they rarely ever mix and they just trash on each other. So, you know, the traditional branding people, they look at infomercials and they're just disgusted, right? They're like, oh, you know, I just saw that. And now I need to go take a shower. You know, <laughs> why would you ever do that to your customers? And, and meanwhile, the, you know, the direct response guys are looking at the traditional branders saying like, oh, my goodness, that's just fluff. You can't measure that stuff. You're never going to see an ROI on that. You know, um, and, and what they're both failing to realize is that, one, there's a time and a place for you know, each type of advertising. And two, there's pros and cons with each type of advertising. And so in our work, we've tried to hone in on all the pros while leaving out the cons, right? So in the world of direct response, the pros are that you get an ROI, you know, usually an immediate ROI on your ad spend, you can spend a dollar and get $2 back. And for a young startup who needs cash flowing in the door, there's nothing more important than that, right? So that's, that's super essential. But then on the flip side, in the traditional branding world, your advantages are that you're creating this emotion, this, this look, this feel, this character, this uh, voice, this, this universe, where your customers can connect with you for the long term and they can remember you. And, and um, uh, you know, one of the examples I like to use, you know, going back to the, the infomercials is uh, Snuggie. You know, one of the most successful infomercials in history, depending on what you read, they sold somewhere between 300 and $500 million worth of Snuggies. Wow. But you fast forward to today and, you know, those of us who remember Snuggie haven't even heard of them in the past five or 10 years. And of course, the younger kids coming up, they have no idea what Snuggie is, right? right? And so I look at that and I'm like, holy smokes, they had 300 to $500 million in sales and they couldn't bother to build a brand. Right. And so they had, you know, their, I don't know what it was, two, three, four years of, you know, they had their run in the sun, they made a bunch of money. And then they faded into obscurity because they never built that brand. And so when I look at, you know, the traditional branding world, I get it. I understand why Nike and Apple and Coca-Cola and everyone invests so heavily into building that brand because to be someone or to be a company that stands the test of time and is around 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, you have to build that brand and create that trust. And so in all of our work, if you go back and look at our portfolio of campaigns, you know, be it Squatty Potty or chat books or purple mattresses or whatever, you'll find elements of those two worlds. You know, you have the, the direct response world where you're driving an immediate sell. You're getting that cash flowing in the door to keep the business alive and healthy. But at the same time you're doing that, you're building the brand character, you're bringing in humor, you know, that brand voice, you're creating a brand universe and you're making it memorable, you're making it fun, you're making it shareable so that these companies hopefully don't have, you know, their two, three, four year run in the sun. Instead, hopefully we're building them to last for decades and to stand the test of time. And, and that's 
the marriage of those two worlds that, that we've brought to the table. And we're trying to prove to the world that you don't have to choose either or, you know, it doesn't have to be direct response or branding. You can have both. Right. And so say when you're, when you're creating a video, what are the, uh, the things that you want to keep in mind? Like when you're creating a messaging, when you're, you know, up in the cabin and, uh, and, um, and making sure that you're hitting on the touch points of creating a good brand, but also like having a call to actions and a direct response, uh, the sales of the direct response. Yeah. So if you're bringing the best of everything into one world, so let's look at the branding side for a second. So we, um, we're big fans of Donald Miller and his, how to build a story brand, um, uh, construct. Uh, fantastic book, fantastic framework of how to think about it. But basically the thesis of that is that stories are the best communication tool on earth, right? Information has been passed down from generation to generation through stories. And that's the way it's been for thousands of years, right? right? And so our brains are very wired to connect with stories and to remember stories. And so from a branding perspective, if we can harness the power of stories, um, then we make ourselves much more memorable and much more sticky. And, and even more specifically, um, you know, Donald argues that the most effective story format is called the hero's journey. And, um, and one, you know, one example that he uses is that if you go to imdb.com and look at their list of the top 100 grossing films of all time, I don't remember the number, but it's something like 85 of those films follow the hero's journey format. And so that shows you, you know, how much that we tend to connect with that format. Can you touch briefly on the hero's journey for the listeners so they know what it is? Yeah. So think of, think of like Star Wars, right? So our hero is Luke mm -hmm. and Luke faces this big problem of an evil empire is here and they're trying to just, you know, um, dominate the galaxy, destroy planets, you know, do all their evil stuff. Right? right. And, and of course our hero, he doesn't know what to do about this, but he meets a guide. He meets Obi-Wan Kenobi and Obi-Wan um, gives him tools, teaches him about the force and gives him a lightsaber. Right. And then eventually he calls him to action and says, okay, Luke, you go on your hero's journey. You go defeat the evil empire and use these tools and training that, that I've given you. And then of course, Luke goes out and, um, and blows up the Death Star. And, you know, that, and that's the hero's journey of that episode. And then of course that, you know, that continues throughout the arc of the, um, uh, of the series. But the point from a branding perspective is that every customer is on their own hero's journey. And they are the hero in their own journey. And so we as marketers have to be very careful because sometimes it's really tempting for us to try to position ourselves as the hero in the story when we're not. Our customer is actually the hero in their own journey. We as the brand, we're only the guide. And so um, we have to make sure to position ourselves as the guide, which means we need to establish empathy. You know, oh, I know what you're going through. I've been there. I've experienced that. I know what it feels like. And then we need to establish authority, right? Because I've been there and I've overcome it doing, you know, A, B, C, or D, 
then we establish that authority and then we present them the tools, which is usually the product or service that, that you're selling. Here is the tool that you need to be successful in your own journey. And then we call them to action um, to, you know, click now to buy this so that you can be successful in, in your own journey. And you can look across our portfolio of, of, of campaigns. One that comes to mind is uh, Camp Chef, the, the Woodwing Grills, you know, which are these wood fired grills that are essentially teaching people how to make delicious food in their backyard so that they can be successful in that, in that journey of how do I bring friends and family together um, and entertain them and feed them delicious food so that, um, you know, we're successful in bringing, you know, these people together and having these amazing memories and, and experiences together. And then Camp Chef gets positioned as the guide. We have this grill god character who, um, you know, he's the god of grilling and he teaches our hero how, how he can be successful and then presents to him the tool, which is, you know, the woodwind grill. And then, you know, calls us as the viewers to action to be successful in our, in our own hero's journey. And so that, that's the branding side of it, right? That's how we make it memorable. That's how we make it fun. That's how we make it shareable. And then on the, the direct response side of it, we're bringing all the elements in that have been tried and true sales principles for, you know, for many, many years. Things like, um, you know, we're, we're going to use a hook to grab your attention. We're going to present a problem. We're going to present a solution. We're going to overcome your concerns. We're going to build credibility and then, you know, ultimately call you to action. And so those are the two worlds that we melt all together to create this experience where you get both the sales and the long-term branding all at the same time. Um, would you say those are the three, well, the direct sales, the, the branding, and then the hero's journey, those are the three things that you guys do focus on. You want to make sure that you hit every time you create a video. Is there anything else that's missing that uh, is really important? Well, uh, so we kind of see it as a spectrum. So sometimes we're working on a campaign where the company is really young and their budgets are small. And so we need to be very focused on the direct sale. And so we'll kind of go lighter on all those branding elements to really hone in on that direct sale because we know that company needs those sales coming in the door so that they can grow to the point where later they get a focus more on branding. And then some of our more mature clients, um, they get to a point where they have the luxury where they can start to really lean in on their branding. You know, they're not a Nike yet. You know, they can't spend, you know, a hundred million dollars a year, you know, creating, you know, really fun, you know, sexy ads. They have to, you know, drive a, a drive an ROI as well, but they can really start to get heavier on the branding side. And so that's when we can really start to have some fun like we did with, you know, Squatty Potty and, and Poopery and, and chat books and many of those where, where you can really start to, uh, fiber fix is one that comes to mind, right? Where we're throwing cars off of a cliff <laughs> and rolling these cars down, down the side of the mountain. Yeah. Because they, they've built their cells to kind of a certain level where they can, they can support more of the branded efforts, we're able to lean in heavier on, on that branded side. And so to answer your question, you know, are there two or three things that we just have to hit on every single time? Not necessarily. It's more kind of on a spectrum where 
sometimes the focus is going to be more sales. Sometimes it's going to be more branding. Sometimes it's smack dab in the middle. And it can range anywhere on that spectrum, depending on the stage of the client and the needs of the client. So one thing I've noticed about all the videos I've seen from you guys is, is that they're extremely uh, memorable. And I remember the first time I saw the Squatty Potty video and I could tell you, you know, what happened in the video a few years later. I remember uh -huh. the first time I saw the Poopery video and I could tell you exactly what happened. And uh, also the um, purple, purple mattress pillow or no, commercial. And yeah. um, is it is it just the combination of those things that really make it memorable? Or is there anything else that you guys want to make have to hit on? So it is something that is ingrained in people's memories for the long term. Yeah, so I think there's a handful of things that, that really make it memorable. So one is, you know, that hero's journey format. Mm -hmm. Our brains are just wired to remember stories. And so when we follow that format, it helps make it memorable. Two, um, when you use humor, your content automatically becomes more shareable, right? You don't have to use humor, but we love using it whenever possible because that's the most shareable content on the internet. Okay. And just the act of engaging with content, like the more engagements that somebody makes with it. So for instance, watching it, there's one engagement, liking it, there's a second engagement, commenting on it, there's a third engagement, sharing it, there's a fourth engagement. The more of those engagements that you can create, the more it, it you know, it sticks home in people's memories. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's part of the puzzle as well. Make it as humorous and fun and engaging and shareable as possible just to get more and more people um, um, engaging with it because then it's going to stick longer. And then um, I would say the third piece is that it has to be surprising yet appropriate. We've all seen these, um, you know, these ads that they'll go for surprising just to get the shock value and to grab your attention. But then it turns out that the surprise or the shock value is kind of tangential to whatever message whatever message they're trying to communicate and it creates a disconnect in your mind and so on one hand you're kind of like whoa you know what did i just see that was surprising but then you're not able to connect it to the message to the story that makes it hit home and so that ends up being a formula where it doesn't stick in your brain long term nor does it communicate you know what you're trying to to communicate um, so one example that that comes to mind um, there was a, um, back in kind of the early days of the internet, there was a startup company called outpost.com and they did a Super Bowl commercial where they put a marching band out on a football field and the marching band spelled out the name outpost.com. And then they released a pack of ravenous wolves to, to come out and like terrorize the band. And, <laughs> And so you're watching this and you're like, whoa, what is happening? You know, you're, you're probably even laughing. You're like, what is going uh -huh. on here? But then the commercial ends and you're like, I have no idea what outpost.com is. Right. I have no idea what ravenous wolves have to do with outpost.com. And you're just left like totally confused as to what you just saw. So they hit the surprising piece right, but they got the appropriate piece wrong. And, and so it doesn't work. Whereas, you know, we just talked about fiber fix where we're chucking cars off of a cliff. And so you're scrolling down through your feed and all of a sudden you see these cars fly off a cliff 
and your mind is surprised, right? You go, whoa, what is happening? This is different. You know, I've never seen this before. But then we immediately tie it back in to the message of FiberFix of how, you know, this car is not protected by FiberFix. This car is. Look at the strength of FiberFix. And so your brain is able to connect those dots. And that's the type of thing that makes it long-term memorable. And so you can go through our portfolio. Squatty Potty is another example. Like, can you get more surprising than a freaking pooping <laughs> unicorn, right? right? But then because we tie it into the message, it hits home and it sticks in your memory. Can we walk through the Squatty Potty video and, and, and just point out the, um, all those those pillars or foundations that that you have to hit. So, so uh, for those, if you guys haven't seen the Squatty Potty video, uh, we'll put it here in in the link in the show notes so you can check it out. Um, but uh, there's a prince, right? He's a prince or a knight. Yep. Yeah, yep. a prince. Yep, he's a prince. Okay, and 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 then a unicorn that poops rainbow ice cream. Correct. That's correct. Yeah, and the prince is the is uh, is the prince the hero. Or no, in this case, the prince is Obi Wan Kenobi. Okay. Okay. So, so the so the prince is the guide. Okay. And the unicorn is the hero. It, the unicorn is our demonstrator. So okay. So the the prince is using the unicorn to demonstrate this product, right? We can't have a human or or a real creature <laughs> demonstrating how to poop using a squatty <laughs> right. potty, right? Um. So in this case, the hero is not actually on the screen. The hero is you and me. Okay. The hero is the one watching the video. Okay. So it's kind of interesting because only the guide and in this case, you know, the demonstrator, the unicorn um, shows up on screen, but the hero is actually off screen. Okay. Um, in fact, many of our videos kind of follow that format where the hero never shows up on screen. Mm. Others will have both on screen. So Camp Chef was an example where you see both the hero and the guide, they both show up there on screen. Yeah, and I would guess, like maybe because, and I think this is why Go GoPro videos work so well. If the hero's not on the screen, then in our minds we can put ourselves in the shoes of the hero and see ourselves fulfill that hero's journey. Is that exactly? Yeah, exactly. Okay, and and then um, we want to go into the branding part. So in the squatty potty video, how how are you incorporating the direct response in the branding? Yeah. So if you um, if you were to go through and watch it, and you can pick out all these parts. So the direct response is going to be: we start with a hook. That hook is designed to grab your attention. So in this case, in the very first shot, you see rainbow ice cream poop coming out of a unicorn's butt <laughs> and it just stops you in your tracks and you're like what, what? the freak am i seeing <laughs> yeah okay that's our hook uh -huh. then we go immediately into the problem and so <clears throat> i don't have the dialogue memorized but the prince goes immediately into this problem of how we've all been pooping wrong okay and all of the problems that that causes you know from hemorrhoids to constipation to to whatever um and so, of course, there are, you know, millions of people out there who acutely already feel those problems. And so he's empathizing with, with the people who are acutely feeling it. But then he's also triggering everyone else to question. He's saying, you're doing it wrong. And so even if you're not acutely feeling those problems, all of a sudden you're asking yourself, well, do I have this problem? I've never thought of this before. This has never crossed my mind. So... Then he transitions into the solution 
part of it where he presents the squatty potty as a solution. And in this case, it's so novel and so new um, and we're using so much humor in how we're presenting this that we actually had to put in a line where the prince says, yes, this is a real product and yes, it really works because it's so far out there that it left people thinking like, wait, is this just parody? Is this just a joke? Uh -huh. um, and, and so then all of a sudden we're, we're piquing their interest and in saying, okay, wait, do I have this problem? Wait, could this be a solution for me? Would this make, you know, would this make my life better? And then that's when we go into, all right, now we're going to build credibility. And, and so we go into, you know, celebrity recommendations, doctor recommendations, you know, that type of thing to build up this credibility so that as you're sitting there questioning yourself, like, oh, could this be, you know, could this be a real thing? Could it work for me? Then we really build that credibility. And then we say, okay, let's overcome concerns is, you know, we have enough data to know, okay, here are the few concerns that people tend to have. Let's go ahead and tackle those head on. Um, I can't remember what some of them were, you know, uh, it seems like one was, um, well, can't I just, you know, stack some books under my feet, yeah. uh, you know, stuff like that. And so that, you know, that's where we tackle, um, you, you know, if you're, if you're sophisticated enough to have books, you're probably sophisticated <laughs> enough not to stand on them by your toilet or whatever. You know? right. um, and, and then of course the call to action. So click, you know, click here to buy or, or whatever it is. So that, that's, the, that's the direct response uh, structure that's built right into, that, uh, right into that campaign. And you'll notice if you go through and analyze it, you'll find that every single joke in that whole entire video is supportive of that direct response sale. We never throw in humor just for the sake of being funny. We never let it become distracting. We never let it become tangential. It always needs to be in support of, of the overall message. And one thing also that I noticed is like, if there if there is ever any doubt throughout the story process in your guys's videos you guys kind of turn it into a joke like well like the purple mattress is a good one and it sells for a thousand bucks and we're like and then you guys say uh well the, the lady in the commercial says we know what you guys are thinking it's a thousand bucks sorry we have to you know but it's worth it you know sort of thing and i noticed that in many many of your videos is is like if if the if there's some doubts or questions around the pricing that, that might come up, you guys address it immediately and then make a joke out of it and move on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, you're always better off to just tackle stuff head on. And, and you, if you know your viewer is thinking about something or confused about something or stressed about something, um, you're always going to be better off if you just say, okay, let, let's tackle that. Let's address that head on. Yeah. And many times, like you said, humor can be a great tool to kind of, um, uh, to, to kind of disarm people a little bit, like, um, you know, take the sting out of things a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, how many, how many times has the squatty potty video been viewed now? Do you know? I think the last I heard it was 150 million. That's when we had the squatty potty founder on the show, but it's probably, do you know? So all we can do is estimate because it's been in so many different formats on so many different platforms, True. including, you know, TV, radio, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Um, 
I don't know the exact number, but I think I've heard estimates that are north of 250 million. Yeah, I would. Um, you know, possibly north of, of 300 million. Um, I think our purple campaign, um, the estimates are, are somewhere north of 500 million. Wow, it's that big. When did that one come out? 20, late 2015, maybe early 2016. Okay. Uh, the timeline's a little fuzzy for me, so I can't I can't remember for sure. I, I want to say early 2016, but um, I'm not certain on that. Do you know, um, I know it's hard to, it's also hard to measure, you know, direct result of sales from from the video ads but do you have any estimates around you know if you've got somewhere around 400 to 500 million views with a purple mattress and 250 million or so with a squatty potty do you know how much you guys would credit to to your videos so so it's always tricky to um you know to be able to equate views to sales but when you look at you know company growth uh, sometimes that can be really telling. So for instance, Squatty Potty, they jumped from about $4 million per year. I think the very next year after the campaign, it was about 20, 24 million, somewhere in that range. I think the year after that was like 30 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, Poopery jumped from 7 million to 18 to 30 million. Wow. Um, uh, I read a Forbes article about Poopery just a few months ago, and I think they said they're expecting to hit a hundred million this year. Nice. Um, Purple, we, we actually helped launch them. So we helped them design and launch their, uh, their Purple mattress. And so they went from zero um, to 100 million in something like 14 months. Wow. Um, so, so, you know, those are some examples. Another recent one is Lumi deodorant we just did last year. They jumped from about $1.5 million per year. I think they hit $22 million last year and they're still accelerating. So, you know, they'll probably do well north, well north of 30 this year is my guess. Um, so it, once again, kind of hard to tie directly like, okay, views equates to sales. But when you look at, when you look at company growth, you can really start to wrap your head around the, the impact that, that these campaigns can have. So I'm, 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 I'm sure that you guys have clients that don't, knock it out of the ballpark all the time, you know, I'm guessing Mm -hmm. like you, you've named five or six that have done that are actually household close to household names. Um, Mm -hmm. how many, like say in the seven years, how many clients have you guys actually worked with? Um, good question. I don't know total numbers right offhand, but, uh, it's interesting because we, as we started to see success and, um, and we were kind of consistently getting that success, we started having several investors uh, reach out to us because they wanted to make investments into these companies mm-hmm. prior to, you know, prior to our campaigns oh, wow. okay. for obvious yeah. reasons. And, and so one of those investment groups that reached out, they looked across our portfolio of clients and analyzed it, you know, basically trying to determine for themselves um, you know, from an investment perspective, would, you know, would these be good companies to invest in? And, um, and they determined that 80% of our clients have at least doubled their revenue within two years wow. um, of a campaign. And 40% of our clients have at least 10x their revenue wow. um, within two years of, of working with us, which from, you know, from an investment perspective, it's, it's 
those numbers are pretty off the charts. Yeah. They're, they're pretty <laughs> unheard of. But to your point, um, that does leave, you know, 20% of our clients who have not doubled their revenue. Um, and I think even in that 20%, uh, probably most of them have at least um, seen an ROI on their campaign, even though it's, you know, not like a 2x or, or, or bigger. Um, I, I can only think of, uh, um, I can actually think of two clients where, where I would deem the, the campaign a flop. Mm -hmm. and, and in both of those cases, um, we made the mistake of signing up to help them sell something that at the time was still theoretical. Mm -hmm. So they came to us with, you know, with these ideas of like, hey, we've got this idea, it's gonna be huge. You know, we need you to help us sell it. And we're like, wow, that is a great idea. That is going to be huge. Let's do this. And then, you know, we launched this campaign and it turns out what everyone thought was going to be huge ended up not being a thing at all. Yeah. Um, and, and so we learned our lesson from that experience. And now one of the requirements that we look for before we partner up with someone is, have you actually nailed your product or service? Um, be, you know, do you already have real paying customers who are passionate about what you offer? And that is the proof that we need to be able to come in and say, okay, it's nailed. Now we can come in and help you scale. Um, so we, yeah, we made that mistake a couple of times and we're, uh, um, we've learned from that one. I could imagine. Are there any, 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 uh, boundaries that you guys have for bringing clients on? Because you know, with the results you get, I'm sure you get hit up all the time for people wanting to work with you guys, but, um, you know, they've got to have a proven, proven product, right. That's working and selling. Um, what are some of the other markers that you guys, uh, that, a, that a company would need to hit for you to work with them? You, you know, the main one is that, you know, we use and appreciate and love the product or the service enough, yeah. so that we can speak from the heart. Right. Um, so for instance, Early on, um, Anheuser-Busch actually reached out to us and inquired about a, a campaign, um, but neither Daniel nor I drink. And, um, and so we're looking at that and while we're like, man, beer commercials are usually the best commercials. And that's like a freaking dream to get to work on something like that. Uh -huh. And, you know, and, and, you know, beer companies would be the ones who would kind of give us the most free reign to go out and do something wild and do something fun. And so in that regard, it was like really exciting and really flattering that they reached out to us. But at the end of the day, we were like, we can't honestly go out and like tout a product that we don't use and appreciate ourselves. It wouldn't be sincere. Yeah. It wouldn't be coming from the heart. And, and ultimately, if we don't speak from the heart, then we're not going to be able to connect with people in, in, in the ways that we have. And so that, that's the main you know, that's the main criteria. There, we have a handful of other criteria that we look at as well, but that's like the big barometer um, that, that we use and, and that we look at. And because we're able to speak from the heart, we're able to make campaigns that connect with people at, you know, at that level. Yeah. And it feels genuine, it feels sincere, and, and ultimately it works. Yeah, so, so you all have potty squatties and poopery and purple mattresses at your homes, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. How great, how great.
Um, so Benton, I think we'll kind of wrap everything up there. I think that was a really good show and thank you for dissecting, you know, walking through all of your processes and in, in the videos, like it's, you guys have done amazing things and it's so cool to see, um, you know, younger entrepreneurs kind of uh, step into the digital world and make some awesome things happen and, and build a, a thriving business that becomes really successful over time. And it's, uh, I appreciate that, man. I've enjoyed watching you guys grow um and enjoyed all the products that you put out there you you make me want to buy the stuff even if i don't need it you know today i was like well i could use a purple mattress i don't have one of those yet they're amazing yeah i could imagine and they don't break any eggs you know so they're good for babies as well so um so thanks so much if the listeners want to listen uh reach out and learn more about what you guys have going on where's the best place they could do that at yeah, if you want to follow me personally, I'm most active on LinkedIn. Uh, so connect with me or follow me on LinkedIn. And then if you want to uh, kind of keep up with us in general, our podcast is called From Poop to Gold. Um, of course, uh, you know, it's a cheeky reference to our, our heritage. But thematically, what we're really uncovering is every successful person out there has had their own poop to gold journey where they've had to overcome massive obstacles, huge setbacks, to become, to eventually become successful and have, you know, their, their gold moment, so to speak. <laughs> That's a hero's uh, so, journey, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yep. So follow us there. Um, and, and yeah, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate being here. Yeah. And, and we can get your book on Amazon too. Is it, is it out? Yeah. Yep. The book is called from poop to gold. Um, that that's, uh, that's kind of a look into our creative culture. Um, it, it's not much of a how-to book, so it's, it's, it doesn't really go into the how to do what Harmon Brothers does. It's more a look into how have we created the the culture within our company that consec or, or consistently, you know, puts out these world-class creative campaigns, and how does that work? Excellent, excellent. So again, uh, Benton, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing all your tips and tricks and wisdom with us. And uh, listeners, thank you guys for tuning in once again, and we'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high-performance productivity coaching and our five, six, seven, and eight-figure private masterminds. These are all designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to help you scale rapidly and grow. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That's thebusinessmethod.com. And we'll see you all on the next episode.